Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, You can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. America and happy Thursday. News continues to break out all over this country. Late last night was really a a consequential, busy news night. Within a matter of just a few minutes, the United States Supreme Court agreed to take President Trump's immunity claim, which puts a dead stop to Jack Smith's January 6th prosecution here in Washington, D.C. It also seems to affect the classified records case down in Florida. So those cases may come to a halt until these issues are resolved. Around the same time, a judge in Illinois, a Democrat judge, kicked Donald Trump off the ballot for the primary. In that state, the ruling was immediately suspended, and Donald Trump already has appealed today. But another Democrat state trying to prevent the American people from having the choices they want for president in November 2024. That is a theme that we've certainly seen throughout. Now, today, it continues to grow. The court rulings are just becoming so important. A federal judge blocked Texas from enforcing a law that gave local police the power to arrest immigrants in the state of Texas illegally, meaning if they had entered the country illegally and were on Texas soil, local police could give them an arrest. That judge blocked that. That case is almost certainly, as Ken Paxton has said to us several times, going to reach the Supreme Court. Meanwhile, two presidents, the current president, Joe Biden, finally making a trip down to the border. Good. He can finally find time to do that. One of the biggest crises of his presidency. And Donald Trump, been to the border many times, going to be down there as well. In fact, he announced his first to kind of force the hand of Joe Biden. That is playing out. And tonight, we're going to have our entire television show, Just the News, No Noise, dedicated to a special on the crisis at the southern border. It is a special in concert with our good friends at AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. I'm really excited about it. We've got Senator Ted Cruz. We've got former Homeland Security Secretary Chad Wolf. We've got Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton on the show. Really, really big guest, big conversations going to occur throughout the one hour special. And tomorrow we'll take that special and adapt it to make it a special podcast for you because the border is uh, the singular most important issue on motors minds right now. And so much is going to uh, happen in the next few weeks. Now, Keeping that in mind for a second, today's show is going to have a good flavor of border. We're going to head down and talk to Congressman Burkeen from Oklahoma. He is 
on the House Homeland Security Committee. He's also on House Budget. What's great about this is that Congressman Burkeen can give us insight into the two big issues pending in Congress right now, the border, including the impeachment of Mayorkas, and of course, the budget deal, where once again, Republicans are trying to squeeze out another temporary spending bill, another CR, they call them. But Congressman Josh Burkeen is going to give us some straight talk. He's a guy that doesn't mince words. He's from Oklahoma. He sits on two powerful committees. Uh, you're going to get a real dose of reality, including on his own party. He clearly has some significant concerns about how his own Republicans are acting right now. So a lot to be had in these conversations. And, and I think in a good way, a great conversation for today. Before we get to Congressman Josh Burkeen, though, we last night had the opportunity to talk to Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene. She spent six hours in the room with Hunter Biden. She's going to give us her firsthand account of what she heard and didn't hear and what concerned her about Hunter Biden's testimony. On that front, my good colleague, Stephen Richards, one of the great reporters here at Just the News, he just wrote a story comparing Hunter Biden's opening statement, the claim that he never involved his father in any of his business, with direct evidence, the testimony of business partners, the emails in which Hunter Biden's own language is clear that contradict or conflict with what Hunter Biden just told the committee. A lot of people believe that the House may eventually refer him for false testimony to Congress. We'll see if that actually happens. What happened now that Hunter Biden had his closed door hearing, the next pivot will be clearly that this will move to an open forum. And I think a lot of us will begin to see what that looks like. I think mid-March to mid-May, there'll be open hearings and Americans can see through the art of political theater and public inquisition how Hunter Biden's claims, his father's claims, don't match what everyone else and the evidence is showing. And I think that could be a really powerful thing. So Marjorie Taylor Greene is going to walk us through that dynamic. At the top of the show, Congressman Josh Burkeen will be here in the middle block. And then we're going to go to my good friend Seamus Bruner at the end of the show, my co-author on the book Fallout, great chief of research at the Government Accountability Institute with Peter Schweitzer. He'll give us a good dose of really important news and analysis on Hunter Biden and the Russia, Russia, Russia counteroffensive that Democrats are. They're trying to distract us again like they did in 16, like they did in 20, but we're not going to have it. In fact, tomorrow, keep an eye on just the news. We're going to have a really, really big explosive story about Hunter Biden and Russia. You're going to want to make sure you see that in the morning. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break in a second. One more breaking news story that I really want to take a hold of today, just a little while ago, with the help of our good friends at America First legal public interest firm. It's a nonprofit public interest law firm. Just the News sued the Biden administration, specifically the Department of Health and Human Services, to force the disclosure of COVID-19 vaccine safety data that is not on the books. We have learned that the FDA's VAER system, it's called Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. It's the system that has all the negative reactions that people get from vaccines, that it has been keeping a off-the-books, back-end, private database that includes important safety information. Specifically, we've learned that it has private information about updates and corrections, including formal diagnoses, questions of recovery, whether someone actually died from the original adverse event reported in there. For some reason, that's not in the VAERS, according to the evidence that we put in this lawsuit. This is a very important 
lawsuit for transparency. As I've said many times before, the government's vaccine safety data has always been a record of public importance and transparency. But in the era of COVID, that transparency waned. And there is pretty significant evidence that we present in this lawsuit that FDA is not giving us this data, but they've kept a separate set of books. And that is something that is cause for concern, no matter where you stand on vaccines. If you like vaccines, you don't like vaccines, you like all vaccines, but not the COVID-19 one, you like the COVID-19 vaccine, you believe in MRAs, you have concerns about mRNAs, you can't make an informed decision. You can't have freedom of choice in medicine if you don't have all the data available about the true safety nature of a vaccine. And I think that that is an important reason why we filed this lawsuit, why we've partnered with our good friends. I want to shout out Stephen Miller and Michael Ding and Reed Rubenstein and Alina and all the great folks at America First Legal for preparing with us. This is a historic lawsuit. And I want to point this out because You've heard from Ron Johnson on this show several times. He's done so much good work. He just had another hearing this week where he exposed more and more concerns about the COVID-19 vaccine, about the origins of COVID, about the failure to work on therapeutics, putting all the buckets of government influence just into the vaccines and nothing else. But he has said many, many times before that he fears that the Federal regulatory agencies are too invested in the success of mRNA to acknowledge that there might be problems or failures and that the drug companies are too addicted to the profits of COVID-19 vaccines and that the two together may be working to keep negative information from the American public. This database will let us know if that's true. And that's why we sued. We'll keep you posted on it. But that's a very important development. By the way, as we were suing in this last 24-hour window, the CDC recommended yet another version of the shot. People over the age of 65 should get their, I don't know, sixth, seventh, eighth booster. I don't know what number we're on, but I've never seen a vaccine that has to be boosted every six to 12 months for vulnerable people. Certainly when you get your flu shot, it's once a year. When you get your measles and others, you know, they last for long periods of time. For some reason, this vaccine just needs jab after jab after jab. Now, the CDC says these are safe. People like Ron Johnson have questions. The answer is going to lie in these in this secret database that is behind the wall of the VAERS public database. That's why we sued. And I hope at the end of the day that we can get this for you, the American public. All right, we're about to take a quick commercial break, but I want to shout out one more time. This is an important week for me to shout out one of our important strategic partners, one of our advertisers and sponsors, the Alliance Defending Freedom. You know that faith is under fire everywhere in this country right now, in the courts, in the public school system, in the public square, where Christians or people of faith of all different faiths are ridiculed for believing in God or having faith or practicing their God-given right to have religious freedom. It's a battle between truth and evil in many ways, and it only can be won if people of faith stick together and begin to fight for the inalienable rights that our founding fathers said we were given, but today too often governments, local and federal, are uh, waning and chipping away at. But our good friends at the Alliance Defending Freedom, they've been fighting this fight for more than 30 years, and they win regularly. They are some of the most important victors in the court when it comes to freedom of expression and freedom of religion. And right now they're involved in two critical cases before the United States Supreme Court. The nine justices are looking at two cases. One, a lawsuit over the FDA that Alliance Defending Freedom claims is endangering the health and safety of women and young girls. The second is helping the state of Idaho defend its 
law protecting the lives of women and their unborn children, their anti-abortion law. That is a very important, both of those are going to be landmark cases. Both are before the Supreme Court. If you believe in what ADF is doing, if you believe the Alliance of Defending Freedom is fighting for what you believe in, religious freedom, the right to have a conscience and to exercise that conscience without interference from the United States government or some state state or city government, then you can join them in fighting these critical Supreme Court cases by donating by helping them with your whatever dollars you have available to fight for our cherished freedoms. You know that it's so important to me personally. So if you want to join ADF, go to adf.org slash John, using my first name, adf.org slash John. With your help, we'd like to raise $5,000 by March 31st for ADF. You can do that by joining adf.org slash John. Make your best gift right now. I know with your help. They can beat the goal and help make a generational difference for religious and free expression freedom. These are two freedoms under the greatest assault in the history of our wonderful country. ADF is on the front lines of the, one of the most important fights for liberty in American history. Go join them today. Go, whatever you can afford to donate will make a difference. Let's see if we can get them $5,000. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, Marjorie Taylor Greene unplugged right after she came out of the hearing with Hunter Biden. She has a lot to say about that. Plus, the failure of Republicans to do budgeting the way they are. They seem to be more content on bending to Democratic wills, Marjorie Taylor Greene says, than enforcing their own values to the budget process. We'll have that right after these messages. Folks, feel the greens is the healthiest thing I do every day, and I want you on this journey with me. Why? It's literally one scoop a day. It tastes great. I love the fruit flavors particularly, and it's completely improved my life and my health. This is nutrition the way nature intended. When I began taking a hard look at why I wasn't feeling good and why I felt unhealthy, why I was gaining weight, why I was losing energy, it wasn't just because I had hit my 50s. No, it was because I wasn't getting the right amount of fruit and vegetables in my diet. And listen, I'm just too busy to go to the store, clean up the vegetables, cook uh, uh, vegetable dinners and make sure I hit the fruit. A field of greens stepped in. One scoop of powder in my drink or on my eggs in the morning and boom, I was off and feeling better. And suddenly I was losing weight. I was sleeping better. My metabolism went up. My blood sugar went down. My cholesterol went down and my weight went down. And my doctor said, hey, whatever you're doing, keep it doing. You know what that is? It's Field of Greens. That's what I've been doing. Field of Greens is radically different. Each organic fruit and vegetable was medically chosen to support heart and vital organ health. I trust Field of Greens to keep me healthy. I promise you, you're going to love this product. But if for any reason you don't, they'll give you 100% money back guarantee. Now, you're going to get 15% off your first order plus free rush shipping because of the incredible partnership we have here at Just the News with Brick. House Nutrition, and of course, Field of Greens. All you got to do to take advantage of this offer, visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Don't wait. Go to fieldofgreens.com today. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS for 15% off. Hey, folks, it's John Solomon here. Today, I want to shine a light on AMAC, an organization who's dedicated to America's seniors, but is vital for conservatives of all ages. AMAC stands out by not only advocating for senior issues, but also by pushing for conservative values that affect us all. By joining, you're not just supporting our senior citizens, you're part of a movement defending the freedoms that made this country great and to ensure 
that we secure our nation's future. Plus, membership brings you exclusive benefits like discounts on travel, dining, and entertainment, and of course, special insurance rates, one of the things I like. Regardless of your age, if you're driven to preserve freedom, AMAC welcomes you. This is about uniting youthful vigor with the wisdom of experience and our quest to keep this country great. Sign up now for amac.us slash justnews. And for a limited time, you get a free gift membership for someone else who shares your love for our great nation. Don't miss out on this chance to make a difference from AMAC. Join today at amac.us slash justnews. That's amac.us slash justnews. And extend the invitation to a friend or family member for free. What a great opportunity. Joining us right now, a member of the House Oversight Committee, one of our favorite guests, Georgia Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene. Congresswoman, great to have you on. Hi, John. Hi, Amanda. Thank you so much for having me on. It's an honor. We always learn so much from you. I just want to get a quick reaction. The Supreme Court just agreed to hear the immunity claim. That's a big, big deal, isn't it? That's a very big deal, and I'm very happy to hear it. There should be no court case, and it's a shame what's happening to President Trump. It's outrageous. This is not the America that we all grew up in and know and love. But I'm very happy that this is going to the Supreme Court, where I think we can expect good results. Um, and I really hope to see the Supreme Court protect presidential immunity. Yeah, it's an important issue. Mm. I hope so. I know, because so many of these court venues just have not have been one-sided and it's pretty plain to see. Um, Congresswoman, you know I'm based in Los Angeles and in the film industry, when workers, whether they're actors or crew members, when they are exposed to smoke in a scene, if it's a bar scene or something, then there's what's called a smoke bump if they are exposed to that and there's an extra bump on their paycheck. For six hours today, you sat there and listened to Hunter Biden and I'm wondering if you are going to get a smoke bump for that. I definitely deserve one because it was quite an ordeal. Uh, but no, I won't be getting any kind of uh, bump or I guess we could say it's like the Biden crime family bump. I won't get one. But, you know, we sure we sure need one. So tell us, um, I, I kind of knew how the day was going to go when the first thing he said is I never involved my father in my business, which we know is categorically not true. But what were the highlights? Did you learn anything new today? Well, let me tell you, Hunter Biden has a split personality disorder. One minute he is going on and on about how difficult it is to be a drug addict and, and an, an addict of alcohol um, and, and how hard it is for him and how hard it's been for his family. And he's rolling out all of his excuses as he did drugs and claims he was out of his mind. And then the next minute he was trying to tell us what an experienced, successful businessman he is and his, his impressive resume that, of course, is all his own and how many boards that he served on and he taught at Georgetown University. Um, the only thing that Hunter Biden failed to recognize is the truth. And the, the only reason he ever served on any boards or ever taught at Georgetown University is because his last name is Biden. Um, he also never disclosed to any of those companies that he had a drug and alcohol addiction problem. That was something that he never told anyone. And obviously they never fired him because everyone knew that Hunter Biden had a drug and alcohol problem. Uh, but he never got fired because his last name was Biden. But the real business he was involved in was the Biden brand and selling his father's influence through influence peddling. That's why Hunter Biden got paid the big bucks. And we questioned him for over six hours today about that. Yeah. 
important stuff. Amazing. Amazing. And I know Chairman Comer has commented that a lot of what Hunter Biden answered to seemed to corroborate with the evidence that your committee has collected. But there were some contradicting answers. And of course, yes. you know, the House House investigators have spoken to Rob Walker, to Devin Archer, Tony Bobulinski, now James Biden and other witnesses as well. Of course, the IRS investigators. Um, and now you are moving to a it sounds like a public uh, testimony phase. Is that do you think going to sort out the he said, the she said and figure out who is lying in all this because somebody's lying? Yes. Thank you for that question, Amanda. The public hearing will be the most important thing for the entire country. And I'm hoping to see that happen. You know, Hunter Biden, the last time he was asked to come before Congress, he he refused to come. Then when we held him in contempt of Congress, he, he bolted in, uh, breaking into our hearing and then ran away when I started to speak to him. So I hope that he agrees to come back for a public hearing. There was something interesting, though, I'd like to point out that a theme that I heard over and over in there was the appearance of excuses about Russian disinformation and the fact that he was involved with Burisma uh, to defend democracy, um, that Burisma was fighting back against Russian aggression by Putin in the Donbass region. So this is something that I think both of you are well versed in, and that's Russia, Russia, Russia. And we're going to see the Democrats um, and their friends and the media continue to push that out as we get closer to the election. It's going to be all about Russian disinformation. It's going to be all about election interference. And I think we're going to see them, you know, take this to the next level with a Russia 2.0 emergence. Uh, and that'll be their excuse. Well, that's going to be a fun conversation, Congresswoman, because tomorrow night we're going to release documents showing Hunter Biden's own efforts to take Russia down. It was way larger than Yelena Baderina tomorrow night. We're going to show that the road to Burisma was paved through Moscow. We'll be sure to get you back on to react to that as we get this evidence out there. I want to turn to something else. In the history of our country, when there's been a formal impeachment vote in the House, the Senate has always held a trial. It doesn't seem like Chuck Schumer wants to honor that legacy when it comes to uh, Alejandro Mayorkas. You've been very critical. You're pushing hard. Tell us the latest dynamic at work there. Absolutely. If Chuck Schumer does not hold a trial in the Senate, then Chuck Schumer has American blood on his hands. You know, just this past week, we lost one of our own in Georgia, Lake and Riley, a beautiful 22 year old nursing student from the University of Georgia. That's my that's where I graduated from college. And uh, that that illegal alien from Venezuela that brutally murdered Lake and Riley didn't even know her, just murdered her out of cold blood is in our country because of Joe Biden and, and was brought in the country and released by Secretary Mayorkas. Mayorkas's trial must be held in the Senate. And Chuck Schumer will tell the American people what country he stands for and which people he works for and what constitution he defends uh, based on his decision to either table the articles of impeachment or to be willing to hold a trial in the Senate. And we know Chuck Schumer loves impeachment trials, so I don't know what he could possibly be afraid of. There you go. Yeah. I, I want to stay on that topic. You mentioned Lake and Riley. Um, 
in this business, we encounter a lot of spin doctors. I don't think that I have ever seen spin like I did with Athens Mayor Kelly Gertz in his press conferences, where he not only blamed Trump, but said that there was no connection between illegal immigration and crime. This family already lost their precious daughter, and now they are dealing with a mayor who is making excuses and blaming someone else. There were a lot of people at that press conference who were shouting him down, and I can imagine not all of them were Republicans. What do you think? Well, I completely agree. As a matter of fact, I'm calling on our Georgia state legislature uh, to be very serious about this. And I believe that any city in the state of Georgia, any county in the state of Georgia should be held accountable for harboring illegal aliens and protecting these illegal criminals. And they can do that by defunding these cities. So perhaps the Republican-controlled state legislature uh, should really consider defunding Athens and, and, and not providing them with Georgia state taxpayer funds if this mayor is going to continue to harbor illegal aliens and apologize for them and defend them. Because the only people that that mayor should care about are the citizens and the legal residents and the legal Georgian uh, taxpayers of Athens, Georgia, and Georgians as a whole, and innocent students like Lake and Riley at the University of Georgia. Yeah, you've, you spoke so eloquently over the last few days. You've really stood up for her and her family like very few people have. Congressman, we've got a woman, uh, just a minute left. I want to ask real quickly, uh, another CR appears to be on the horizon. When do Republicans get off their own addiction to CRs? I got to tell you, John, this is the biggest failure in U.S. history. Our Republican-controlled Congress should not be failing like this. Another CR is another Republican failure. I will not be voting for it. Folks, don't go anywhere. When we come back, Congressman Josh Burkeen from Oklahoma, a member of the Ways and Means Committee, a member of the Homeland Security Committee. We're going to talk about the border, Mayorkas impeachment, and that budget deal. What is Mike Johnson up to? Josh Burkeen will give us his take in just a little bit. Folks, let's face it. As you get older, after a night with drinks, you don't bounce back the next day like you used to. Thanks to Z-Biotics, you don't have to make the choice of having a great night or a great day. Z-Biotics pre-alcohol prebiotic drink is the world's first genetically engineered probiotic. It was invented by PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. Here's how it works. When you drink alcohol, it gets converted into a toxic byproduct in your gut. It's this byproduct, not the dehydration. That's to blame for your rough next day. Zbiotics produces an enzyme to break this product down. Just remember to make Zbiotics your first drink of the night. Drink responsibly, and of course, you're going to feel your best tomorrow. So go to zbiotics.com/justnews to get 15% off your first order when you use the Just News promo code at checkout. One again, Zbiotics is backed with a 100% money back guarantee. So if you're unsatisfied for any reason, they're going to refund your money. No questions asked. Remember to head to zbiotics.com slash justnews and use that promo code justnews at checkout for 15% off your order. Thank you, Zbiotics, for sponsoring this episode and also for letting us have a good time. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. 
You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. As we talked about in the top of the show, uh, while we're keeping an eye on Hunter Biden and uh, Joe Biden impeachment, we can't lose sight of the impeachment that has already occurred and is being stalled in the United States Senate. Uh, Our next guest is one of the most eloquent uh, spokespeople when it comes to what's really going on at the border and why a Senate trial is important, not only for American history, but for the American public at this moment when it comes to Isla Hendo Mayorkas. Joining us right now from the great state of Oklahoma, Congressman Josh Burkeen. Congressman, great to have you back on the show. Thank you, John. I don't deserve the accolade, but it's very kind of you. Well, it's true. I've been watching this and we cover it day in and day out. And, uh, you know, a lot of people say, well, politics, election year. Uh, but there is a constitutional uh, uh, reason why the Senate needs to have this trial. But also the American public needs to understand and be educated in a, in a, a place to really understand what it is that Mayorkas and his boss, Joe Biden, have done to the border. Right. No, right. No, it's it's look impeachment, Federal sixty five. Anybody wants to take time to brush off, uh, you can pull it up on online. Just go read Federal sixty five, and they did worry about policy being a, a premise for impeachment, but they talked about that impeachment was based upon the the, the you know the what we learned from uh, Great Britain, and and at the time it was used. And Rule 65 says it plainly, it was a bridle in the hands of the legislative body to be used upon the, the executive servants of the government. And what's a bridle for? A bridle is to pull that animal into the ground and say, whoa. And, and so, and it also, Federal 65 talks about that it, it's to be employed when there is a injury to the public, that when there's a, a, an abuse uh, of the public trust. And so, as I've said often, you know, we have in our committee, Homeland Security Committee, there's at least seven different areas of federal law that Mayorkas chose to turn and make it what he wanted and instead of what the exact reading of, of law was. And that's in defiance of we the people, not just members of Congress who, who vote on things and then get signed into law. The rule of law uh, has to stand for something. And, and uh, you know, look, the way you turned into a third world country, chaos, plundering in the streets, which, you know, we've seen a few states that are starting to tolerate that type of lawlessness, is when you tolerate lawlessness. And part of our economic strength is we don't tolerate lawlessness. No, you're right. Law and order has been the bedrock of this great republic for so long. Um, We have the impeachment. The Democrats do their politics, politics, politics. No reason. We're going to dismiss this right away. And then the most extraordinary of heinous events occurs. This poor young woman jogging on the campus uh, of the University of Georgia 
um, Lake and Riley is murdered by an illegal immigrant who is like the poster child of what the left set up. He comes in, he's flagged as an illegal alien for deportation, but they don't have enough beds. So they parole him under Joe Biden's parole uh, thing. He's catch and release, essentially. Uh, he uh, moves to New York, uh, Sanctuary City. He commits some sort of um, uh, violent crime there or in jeopardizing at least a uh, minor's life. He gets let out. Ice isn't told. No retainer is recognized. He then moves to the second sanctuary city in Georgia, uh, where he gets a work permit. So his reward for being illegal and having a, uh, a thing is a work permit. And there he is killing this woman, a completely avoidable circumstance. Every aspect of the left's uh, system is here. How um, powerful is that case to making uh, the case of for impeachment? You've got a real live victim that actually exposes the entire uh, uh, rim to tire system that they built. Yeah. And then you've got the Honduras individual accused of raping the 14 year olds. Uh, you know, you've got a case in Louisiana and then you also got a case in Virginia. I've uh, been told this morning. And, and, and this is every parent, and I am one. Um, who has got a child that goes out and jogs on a track, whether it's your community park or a school track, and and to know that we have 8 million in three years, illegal immigrants out of 333 million population in our country. We've got 8 million, 75% of them are single-aged um, or, or adults um, who, are, who are military age, 75%. Then, Every mom and dad has to be thinking this thing through. So, yes, it's about the terrorist activity that they could employ, that many of us are, you know, when you've got 20,000 people coming uh, just since October from China, do we think that they don't have some ideology that's counter to what we believe in this country? Yeah. What about the, you know, 1,200 that come across from uh, Iran and Syria in the last two and three years? And we know there's 750 of those from, from Iran and Syria on the special interest alien watch list. That's in addition to the 320 that are on the terrorist watch list that come across in three years. So when you have these people who are coming from countries who, I mean, what country in South America or across the globe who has means of taking people that are a detriment to their society, some of these individuals, and saying, we're expelling you from our country. I mean, they're, so we're taking these people who have violated laws from other countries into our country, heinous acts, and, and they're coming here, and, and every man, woman, mom, dad, grandfather, grandmother, and just citizen needs to be uh, ringing the alarm bells about the danger to, to not just our country, but to our kids. Yeah, it's it's so important. You had a pretty extraordinary town hall in your home district, Claire, I think Claremore it was on Tuesday. What sort of things are top of mind for the constituents of Oklahoma? Because they're a great bellwether for the whole country. But what what um, what did you hear from them? What's top of mind for them? So, John, we actually did 18 live town halls. I actually went to 18 locations. Uh, we did six per day. So I got to hear uh, from a lot of the Oklahoma Second Congressional uh, constituency. And it's about the spending. It's about the madness of sending money overseas when we have an entire discretionary budget that's borrowed money now. I want to reiterate that for your viewership, that by the time mandatory spending, meaning that the things that only Congress can adjust eligibility, it's mandatory. So the time Social Security, which is part of mandatory spending, Medicaid, Medicare, and food stamps, and interest on our debt, that's the bulk of our of our mandatory spend, 
That's two-thirds of our budget. By the time that gets taken every year, that consumes all the revenues coming in. And so what's left over is called discretionary spending. Uh, it's not mandatory. And that includes all the troop salaries. That includes all defense spending. That includes the alphabet agency soup of federal bureaucracy that most people recognize, USDA, Department of Education, Department of Labor. Last year, Congress spent the entire year debating 12 appropriation bills that were 100% borrowed monies. Not a dime that Congress is now debating under their authority of discretionary spending, where they set the appropriation levels, is anything but borrowed money now because mandatory and interest on the debt is consuming all of it. And so people, I'm, I'm educated in second congressional district constituency about this problem. We are running on borrowed time financially before we hit a collapse, whether it's going to be an economic collapse, hyperinflation, people not willing to, to you know, lend, um, it's, you know, lend to, lend to our, 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 our treasury anymore. And these are all got to be great concerns. And the reason why interest rates are having to go up is the government's trying to compete for people that would otherwise be investing in our economy. And so for every dollar that's being spent on, on federal bond notes, that's one dollar that could be invested, a capital investment in some, some new enterprising um, activity that would grow our economy in the United States. And this is also, let me say this, this is also the first year in 2024 that our defense uh, budget is not going to be uh, more than interest on our debt. Our interest on our debt, money flushed down the toilet, is now in 2024 going to exceed what we spend in, in, in totality to defend our country. Uh, both of them almost in the trillion dollar range. It's mind boggling, isn't it? It's just mind boggling when you look at it. And um, you are such a champion of uh, getting a hold on spending. And yesterday there was this extraordinary moment. Mitch McConnell finally announced he's going to step down in November. He's a man that when he took over as a Senate leader in 2003, Senate whip, uh, our national debt stood at seven trillion today. It stands at almost thirty-five trillion. Three quarters of all the debt that accrued in this nation over its two hundred and forty-eight year histories occurred on his twenty-year watch. What do we need in the Senate to finally say no to democratic spending? Yeah, just the opposite of that kind of leadership. Somebody that can can really be honest with the American people and say, We're done with the free candy politics. If we don't start buying vegetables, we're not gonna have a nation left. If we want to be strong, if we want to be somebody that China fears and Russia fears, it is not heightened spending trying to, to you know, project strength. It is getting strong by making sure our economy and our debt and our deficits are dealt with. And, and economic security is national security as, as no other time in our nation's history. They are smelling blood in the water. And there's an old African proverb if there's no enemy on the inside, the enemy on the outside can do you no harm. I more fear the internal things, the financial collapse, than I do a direct assault by those two countries coming at us right now. We are strong militarily right now, and we, we have you know, an economy that you know, has great alarm bells going off in it, although it looks to have signs of strength. But many of us are concerned we've got a plastic economy propped up by spending by the federal government and that the rug's going to be pulled out of our out from underneath us in short term. Yeah, it is so, so extraordinary. The circumstance we put ourselves in completely avoidable, but we're there. And now with interest rates, it even becomes more painful more quickly uh, because the, the debt service just keeps uh, rising. Um, there is uh, two uh, presidents, 
heading to the border today, one who's been there many times, one who barely shows up, Joe Biden, barely showing up. Um, what message will Americans take away from these dual visits today? And can they distinguish between Donald Trump's record of uh, a border security versus Joe Biden's? I hope they can. 2017, you had the lowest number of illegal aliens come across our border in 40 years, 2017. And under Joe Biden, just no, no law changes, just the difference of leadership and him reversing 64 different executive orders. You have last December, a few months ago, the same number in one month, 300,000, that came across in the month of December to match the, the entirety of those that illegally found their way in 2017. And so the contrast could be uh, no more than the leadership between those two. Yeah, yeah it's, it's true. The contrast is clear in, in uh, both uh, behavior, outcome, and also in uh, their own rhetoric and in their own planning. Um, you uh, also sit on the Budget Committee, in addition to Homeland Security, where you do such great work. Um, a lot of Americans are wondering, when will Republicans deliver on the promise that they would do regular order budgeting? When will they deliver on the promise of seeing a reduction in spending? Uh, and uh, why do we keep having CRs when we declared CRs? dead a year ago. And I know this is very uh, personal to you because you have worked tirelessly to get those promises delivered. What is the state of play? Is Mike Johnson going to be able to pull this off or are we in this forever CR uh, cycle? Well, look, I, I want to let the speaker speak for the speaker. Um, I can tell you that I'm not in agreement with uh, any more of this. And that the right play is a 1% across the board cut. Where we find ourselves in this position, six months in, um, to, the, to the next fiscal year, um, or already completed the fiscal year that we keep debating, we should have had this done in October, then the best play, the most savings that could find agreement among the Republican conference is a 1%, it's called the Massey um, FRA provision, coming from what happened in June, I believe, when the uh, financial, um, I know, it's just called FRA because I didn't believe that the acronym matched actually what it was doing. <laughs> but, but the FRA, um, it uh, had one shining bright spot in it. And I told Thomas Masters from Kentucky this when it, when, it, when it was added in. And I said this even when I was talking about that, that measure, that the one bright spot, even though I didn't like it, didn't vote for it, was this potential for a 1% across the board cut. To, to discretionary spending. And yet we have enough, a small handful of Republicans who are unwilling to support that. And so the, that, that play is being avoided right now. And so my hope is that the speaker will listen to the American people and will say, can you not at least, Congress, do a 1% across the board cut on discretionary since it's been plussed up 30%. It's been plussed up 30% since before COVID. Can you not at least cut 1% across the board on that? Um, and people say, well, you know, that's also going to include defense. Man, it, this is the game we play, that nobody's willing to find efficiencies anywhere. I'm one of those that believes we can find a 1% efficiency in defense spending. And I'm more concerned about an economic collapse within the next decade than I am concerned about not being able to find a 1% savings in the defense budget. The only way you're going to get the Democrats, to be able to have negotiating leverage on the border is we've got to put something out there and a 1% cut to their prize discretionary spending that's non-defense. You know, all of the just amplified government spending and their earmarks. If we can say we're cutting and then, then it brings them to the table to get real uh, 
substantive discussion. I'm not going to promise any solutions, but at least substance on remain in Mexico, the one glaring thing that keeps you know, missing out of all this. Such an easy fix, right? It would be it would it would solve enormously uh, the numbers. Remain in Mexico. Why should the American taxpayer, when we know, you know, you know, 90 percent of all statistics are made up on the spot. And I'm going to readily admit I don't have the statistics to back this up. OK, but most of us are convinced it's a super majority. So let's say 90 percent of those that are claiming asylum. They are not coming here because they are fleeing religious persecution or for their lives um, because of their, their race or nationality. They're coming here for economic uh, advancement. And to claim asylum, which is the claim is based upon if you fear for your life, credible fear, it's not accurate. And while we are playing this game, while we're allowing uh, you know this game to be played, when we could say just what Trump did, you stay on that side, you're safe. And we'll explore whether or not you're really being persecuted for your race, your nationality. Yeah, uh, faith, whatever it is, yeah. Your religion, and let somebody else pick up the tab for it. The, the, the nation of uh, our nation, there's only nine other countries in the world now out of 200 countries that have a higher debt to GDP ratio than what we do. And yet we bring them across. And what's fair, the organization fair will tell you, is each one of them, just the cost of the services is for is is running about four thousand per illegal immigrant and you do the math on eight million in three years and that, that adds up pretty quick yeah it sure is yeah no it's it's unsustainable really and uh maybe that's part of the plan is to make it an unsustainable circumstance well, john i think it's about census it's about yeah it is isn't it the voters but the supreme court 2018 decision that, that confirmed that unless congress can change it i'm which i'm one of those that's pushing for a change on this but unless Congress changes that the, the census counts illegal immigrants, 333 million Americans, 8 million in three years have come in that are illegal. They're going to these high population areas that are mostly Democrat areas. So when the name, next census occurs, it's going to count those illegal immigrants in these high Democrat saturated areas. And what will happen in the next census, the Republicans, mostly Republicans, are what represent rural areas in the Congress. They'll lose a seat. It'll go to these urban areas. And a Democrat will, because of the partisan voting index, a head-to-head no-name Republican versus a head-to-head no-name Democrat, Democrats have a 4 to 30% advantage in these areas, then the Democrats will pick up another seat. The balance of power shifts. And that's what we're seeing, fundamental change in who is offering power in this country. Stacking the congressional districts, it's really remarkable. And so many people who've come on the show in the last few months have said exactly what you're saying, sir. I want to throw out some ideas that are bouncing around. Uh, uh, many of them conservative ideas for conservatives, trying to put something constructive on the table because it seems like Washington is uh, been so um, lacking in construct. Uh, President Trump suggested, hey, maybe we should convert some of the Ukraine inf- uh, uh, aid to loans so that we can get paid back someday. Uh, others are suggesting, hey, any money that we seize from Russia in these new sanctions should go immediately to pay for anything we're going to spend on Ukraine or reimburse us for what we've done on Ukraine. Uh, others have suggested that for every penny we're going to spend on foreign aid to secure some other person's border, uh, we should take it away from somewhere else here or match it with a dollar for dollar on our own border. Uh, which are those? You're, you're because you're on the budget committee, you have enormous visibility. Are any of those getting traction behind the scenes in the sort of discussions that are going on in Congress? Yeah, I have actually. Once Trump made that pronouncement, I spoke to the Freedom Caucus about it. Kind of mentioned it. Um, but in terms of traction, you know, in the full conference, I'm not hearing traction in the full conference. The question, you know, is if you loan to Ukraine, 
what's the ability to repay? So think of think of the destruction to that country and the years it will take to rebuild. I mean, so I, I look, I'm not going to discount the idea. A loan is much better than giving I- any day. But how can you recoup that? Um, you know, in terms of Israel, um, you know, I would want anything we're doing to Israel. My preference is that it be um, paid for. Uh, I have a much different take on Israel than I do Ukraine. Um, number one, I'm an evangelical who believes that what we bless um, in regards to Israel will return in a blessing to us. I think history proves that out. You look at our heyday financially in the 50s, right after their 48 establishment. If you look at what happened when President Trump moved the embassy, um, you know, you just see such prosperity in our nation soon after when everybody's saying it's going to cause World War III. If you put the embassy in, in Jerusalem, it was, it was like a, a bellwether moment for his presidency. People looked up and said, whoa, this guy means business. And instead of World War III, we got new peace deals. That's it, man. Abrams Accord. So, look, I, Israel has very few friends. We're one of them. They're a bright spot in the world. And they're surrounded by 700 uh, times their size geographically of those who hate them. Uh, NATO has the ability to solve what's going on with Ukraine. There's 31 nations there. They've not matched what the United States singularly has put $113 billion, uh, into Ukraine thus far. So they need to be looking to NATO. Now, one of the questions that need to be asked is, uh, you know, it's what we're spending to to uh, NATO. Uh, why can't some of those dollars be leveraged? Why can't the $60 billion that the United States is spending every year on foreign aid? Um, why can't we have a real conversation among the Republican conference and say we're done um, being asked to, to help other countries when we send $60 billion every year, um, just an annual appropriation? Why isn't every time there's an emergency need – People go, oh, well, there's a foreign aid spend already. Why can't it be taken away from Jordan and Egypt, uh, Syria, where we're spending? I mean, think about that. What are we doing, you know, in financial aid in those countries? Why aren't we helping Israel um, with, with, you know, the utilization of pulling back some of the foreign aid spend? So the the problem that the insanity in Washington, D.C., the state governments don't suffer from because they have balanced budgets, is nobody asks where's the money coming from. Nobody asked that question. Nobody says you have to cut here to pay there. And it's why you have 100% of what we're debating every year now is borrowed money. Not a dime does Congress spend talking about on these 12 appropriation bills that's not stolen from your kids. And that baby who opens their eyes, takes in their first breath of air, born in any range of owes $101,000 when they take in their first national debt now. Yeah, such a powerful way of looking at it, and it shows you the mess that we've created for our, our country. If you had to guess, Congressman, uh, as we wrap up here, uh, what is the outcome over the next few weeks? It seems like the Freedom Caucus may try to force a shutdown because the cycle hasn't been broken. And anyway, Republicans have perpetuated the cycle. Uh, there could be a discharge petition to try to get Ukraine done. Where do you think this ends up with your best guess right now? Well, if you if, if the if handful of Republicans are threatening to go around the speaker and do a discharge petition and join Democrats and getting direct funding to Ukraine, the American people need to look at every one of those Republicans and say, you just took away the leverage we have to do something with the border. If you do that with where Democrats real prize, and think about you know the border bill a few weeks ago, Ukraine 60 billion aid in there. That was a real prize to the Democrats in there. Now, I believe there were some people who really thought that, that uh, you know, the border was the focus. I contend the Democrats were supporting it because of the $60 billion in Ukraine uh, aid. Um, and that's the real price. And if you have a discharge petition and you just send that directly to them, what leverage, if we don't get a, a strong deal on financing 
And if we just do these CRs and we go at Nancy Pelosi levels, where's the leverage for the Democrats to to want to to do border security? To to I mean, again, right now the president of the United States could reverse the 64 actions he's taken and secure our border immediately. But would many of us like to see uh, put in statute remain in Mexico so it's not something that Trump Trump has to initiate? Um, you know, by an executive, absolutely. So you want to have a real conversation so that between the ping pong of one president to another, we don't see this, where Remain in Mexico gets put in statute? Some of us would have that conversation. But uh, but you let a discharge position on Ukraine happen, and we do spending levels without these 1% cuts that I'm talking about, our leverage is lost, and, and uh, the rest of the year is going to be um, focused on 2025. And I don't know how you're going to get Democrats to want to do anything – you know, in 2025 with the election year ahead of them. They'll, they'll want to pump that by the time we get to uh, October, September to a CR. So, you know, 2024 is the fight. Uh, the, the spending levels for 2024 were six months already into the works on. That's where the real fight's going to happen, I think. And I, I hope that, that uh, you know, that, that we rise to the occasion as a conference. I hope that, that those who are thinking about this uh, discharge petition are convinced by the American people. You do that. And I want to make sure that, that you're not reelected. Yeah, that is such an important uh, message. And um, I, I could see a lot of heads shaking in our audience listening to you. They're shaking in agreement. They, we need a common sense solution. The leverage for our border to get remain in Mexico. It's lost the discharge for Ukraine goes forward. Yeah, no, they did. They, they will destined many more Americans to the potential fate of what happened to Lake and Riley if they take this leverage away right now. And that would be a tragedy of epic proportions. It's just terrible. Congressman, we always enjoy having you on. We always get straight talk. We get great, clear insights about what's really going on in Washington. Great honor to have you on today. Thank you for joining us. You bet, man. My honor. Thank you. All right, folks, one more good one to go. We're going to return to where we started this morning, the topic of Hunter Biden, his testimony, and the evidence versus Hunter and Joe Biden's claims. There's a big delta, a big gap and we're going to lay those out with my good friend, the great investigative reporter, the great director of research at the Government Accountability Institute, my co-author on the book, Fallout, Seamus Bruner, going to join us right after these messages. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation, and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold, and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it, with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide 
at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome back, America. As we mentioned at the top of the show, the investigation into President Joe Biden's alleged involvement in his son and brother's business practices hit one of its most important moments today, the testimony of his son, Hunter Biden. A lot of frustrated lawmakers, a lot of inconsistencies, we're told. But the opening statement of Hunter Biden was that I never involved my father in any of my business. We've got the perfect Journalist and I, one of the best journalists in the country, a best-selling author, director of the research at the Government Accountability Institute, my co-author on a book, and one of the greatest guys I've ever met in my journalism career, Seamus Bruner, is joining us tonight. Seamus, great to have you on. Hey, John, it's great to be with you, and Amanda, good to see you. We love having you. Um, you're a fact man, right? You don't spin. You just dive into the documents and the facts and the interviews. When Hunter Biden looks in the camera and says, I didn't involve my dad into any of my business dealings, what's your response to him? It's a flat out lie. His dad was central to the entire business arrangement. Uh, and we know that from multiple witness testimonies, former business partners, documents, emails. We could spend the whole show talking about all of the evidence about that. Uh, photos. I mean, the photographic evidence alone proves that Joe Biden was central to Hunter's business. And what was Hunter's business? It was selling access to Joe. There were no discernible work products, no memos. He didn't do any spreadsheets or PowerPoints or, or like anything other than make phone calls to Joe. And Devin Archer and Tony Bobolinsky and now Jason Galanis have all attested to this, that Joe was central to the business operation. Yeah. So right. Yeah. And, and you, you mentioned some of those things that certainly counter his testimony. And as we were sitting here talking, I just jotted down a few of the items that, to me, tell a very different story. WhatsApp messages, witness testimony from both friends and associates, both former and current, phone calls, dinners at Cafe Milano, emails, photos on golf courses, SARS reports, tax filings, addresses on loan applications, and the FD-13 that is now called into question, even though U.S. Attorney Scott Brady found it to have a pretty significant amount of veracity. Of all of the pieces of evidence, including photographic, as you mentioned, what do you think is the most important to focus on when these testimonies become public? They re-question some of these folks in front of cameras, and they are able to nail them down on some of these items. Yeah, I would say the bank transfers and the suspicious activity reports, those are smoking gun. I mean, and the the loans between uh, James Biden and Joe Biden, and there's no documentation for these loans, and the and the payments are coming at suspicious timing uh, that is coincidental with, let's say, James Biden's uh, you know dealings with that health health company. Um, but Hunter Biden, he said in his own text messages, "I'm not going to make you give half your salary to Pop, like like Pop made me give half his salary." So I would say the the money, you always have to follow the money, uh, and and we've seen Hunter pay Joe's bills. That's a big no-no, if not an ethics violation, if not a crime. So follow the money. That's the number one thing. And uh, as far as the most smoking gun thing, I mean, the, the mainstream media likes to say that Alexander Smirnov disproves everything. That's just not true. I know, John, you know this better than anyone. But Hunter was getting a million dollars a year. That's the thing of value for an official action, which we know the Vadim Pajarsky Burisma executive asked Hunter, we need tangible results. And just a month or two later, Joe Biden gets the prosecutor fired. That's the thing of value. That's 18 U.S.C. Section 201, the bribery statute. 
Yeah, so important to keep reminding people because it's in writing. This, these aren't uh, guesses we're making. It is committed to historical documents, and uh, it's remarkable that Democrats sit there. I want to ask about the dynamic that we are in America, because it's clear today Marjorie Taylor Greene was on just a little bit ago. She said, hey, they're back to the Russia, Russia, Russia thing. Don't believe it's all Russian disinformation again. They've played that card four or five times. Each time it's turned out to be wrong. The boy cry wolf scenario is real. But in this case here, uh, there is a lot of evidence that you and I began working on a few years ago with the book Fallout and in our story since then. Uh, Hunter Biden was targeting Russia in a big way. Yelena Badarina and uh, was a big focal point of he and his business partners. Um, it is kind of remarkable that Hunter could play on Russia and the, the Democrats ignore that whole history. Yeah, you're exactly right, John. I love the Russia, 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 because it gives us an opportunity to go back and show that all roads lead to the Obama-Biden-Russian reset. This was the policy, the appeasement strategy that Barack Obama and Joe Biden was central to executing, along with Hillary Clinton. Remember, she pushed that red reset button with uh, Lavrov in Switzerland, right. and they reset Russia relations. From there, and this is 20, 2009, 2010, you get the Uranium One deal. You have the canceled uh, missile defense in Poland that the Obama-Biden administration canceled. You have Joe Biden sweeping a Russian spy ring under the rug, the illegals program with Anna Chapman. He didn't want to create a flap uh, you know, with the Russians because they were working hard on this reset strategy. Now it's looking like Hunter Biden's, I mean, kind of before you, much before Ukraine, a couple of years before Ukraine, he's, he decides to piggyback off of the Russia reset and start making deals with Russians. Yelena Batarina, for a prime example, the former uh, Moscow mayor's widow. And so the roads point to Russia for the Democrats, not for Trump. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Um, I wanted to ask you, you know, going forward towards the election, when, in any type of case where you are investigating organized crime, something like racketeering, you're going to try to pick off those supporting players first in order to get to the big guy. Um, in a situation like this, it's not that I ever expect for the big guy, the guy who got 10 percent allegedly Joe Biden ever going down. But how damaging do you expect this to be heading into November? Yeah, well, it's huge. And uh, I mean, you know, the, um, the Ukraine stuff is like case closed bribery because of the facts we just laid out a moment ago. But the China stuff is even bigger. And some of the revelations of my colleague Peter Schweitzer just this week about the fentanyl crisis. And you've got this character who was tied to Yi Jianming, who helped the Sinaloa cartel set up uh, its fentanyl operations. Uh, we got to get Peter Schweitzer on with you guys because he is breaking huge news on how China completely compromised the Bidens and is now killing Americans through the fentanyl crisis. And that's just on top of the security risks of Hunter Biden being in bed with Chinese spy linked entities. I mean, Yi Jianming, Patrick Ho, on and on. Everything from 2020 is even worse than we knew before. And now people are realizing there's actually, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire and there's a lot of fire here. Yeah. No, there is a lot of fire. Um, I want to stay on that topic. We've got about a minute left, Seamus. Uh, Peter's book is so extraordinary because it really shows not just 
China's plan, but the manifestation of it and its impact on America, fentanyl poisoning our children, uh, 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 making American supply chains dependent on China. Um, do you think Americans are awakened yet to the actual dangers of communist China, or do we still need to do a lot more to open their eyes? Well, we're, we're seeing it now. I mean, especially on uh, the political right, they're starting to take things seriously, but the political left is not taking it seriously. Um, and so, no, we, there's more work to be done, but everybody knows, I, I, would, I would argue that uh, most people know that someone who is affected by the fentanyl crisis, the opioid crisis, it's yeah. killing 100,000 Americans a year or close to that number. Um, I, you know, I know from high school, someone who just passed away last week, it's a tragedy. Oh. And to know that China is doing this intentionally is it's a you know, it's an act of war. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. So grateful you can join today. Hey, if you want to help out the Alliance Defending Freedom, be sure to go to adf.org slash John, adf.org slash John to go donate today. They'd like to raise $5,000 by the end of March, and this is a great opportunity. Let them know you support them because they support Just the News and John Solomon Reports, and we all support fighting for religious and free speech rights in America. We shouldn't have to fight from them. They're supposed to be inalienable rights, but government has greatly intruded on them from the local to the federal and to the state level. That's what Alliance Defending Freedom is fighting for right now. If you want to join them, go to adf.org slash John today, make a small donation, make a difference for them. All right, folks, that wraps up today's edition. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of John Solomon Reports. The whole show will be dedicated to our special on border security got some great ones ted cruz chad wolf and ken paxton among the guests tomorrow it's a good one we're gonna be joined by a special co-host the one and only rebecca weber the head of our good friends at amac the association of mature american citizen she'll be riding alongside me tomorrow as a co-host in this very important discussion about the border very excited about that all right we'll talk to you tomorrow until then god bless you and god bless this extraordinary country of the united states as he always has you've been listening to john solomon reports the podcast from just the news Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34-plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now.